Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sulcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we're not pussyfooting around from the hysterics while considering the catastrophes facing the industry. We're not kitten about this. The ICA has released reports on two major catastrophes. AFCA is feline the heat as complaints about the East Coast flood catastrophe are building up. And there are some interesting clause to consider from the Monte Carlo Reinsurance Rendezvous. Hello everyone, this week I'm joined by the familiar team who think my cat puns are appalling. Oh. It's Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Editor John Deeks and Chairman Terry McMullen. Good morning Terry. Good morning. That's dreadful Andrew. As my poor per traitor in chief, do you agree it's a perfect start to this pod this week? <laughs> it's a very happy tale, yeah. <laughs> very good. Hello, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. Can you respond to the rumour that your favourite film is Downton Tabby? <laughs> oh, God. It, it's, it's definitely not. <laughs> and hello, John. Hello. More seriously, John, do you think I should have included corgis into the intro as a mark of respect? Yes, uh, that would have been nice. I mean, I, yeah, no reports I've seen about the late Queen's pet cats. So Yeah, it's all about the corgis. Well, in more serious matters, John, the ICA released two major reports on catastrophes last week. What are they hoping to achieve? Yes, that's right. Two significant reports released. One was an annual report that the Insurance Council now does, which is uh, called the Insurance Catastrophe Resilience Report. And in that report, they sum up the catastrophes over the, the, the past financial year. And as we know, it's been a very, very busy time. So there were there were 380,000 catastrophe claims over that period, with losses estimated at 6.41 billion. And that was more than uh, 3 billion more than the previous financial year. Of course, the, the flood event in February and March uh, in New South Wales and Queensland made up an awful lot of that. And that accounts for 5.28 billion of that uh, 6.41 billion figure. And this report gives a whole raft of detail about that event, which locations were the hardest hit, Brisbane and Lismore were the top two, which locations saw the biggest average claim per person, and, and, and that was Lismore. And beyond the floods, of course, we had a range of other events. There was an earthquake during that period. There was further flooding in New South Wales in July, and there were also thunderstorms and wild weather across South Australia, Victoria and Tasmania. So that report is a real summary of, of everything that's gone on. The second report was commissioned from the McKell Institute, which is a think tank. And this report tries to sum up the cost of catastrophes. And they, they do it in a slightly different way. They actually break it down to household level and take in things like government spending as well as insurance costs. And they break it down to say that uh, in, the, in the past financial year, every household paid $1,532 to cover the costs of extreme weather events. They say that figure is actually going to go up to well over $2,500 by 2050, demonstrating how costs are going to rise as climate change has an effect on extreme weather. And what, what the ICA and, and the McKell Institute are trying to do, I think, is just hammer home that everyone pays for this stuff. You could be sitting in Melbourne thinking, well, I'm not in a flood zone, I'm not in a cyclone area, but you're still paying for the damage. And the message, of course, as ever with the ICA, is that we need to prepare in advance for all this, spend more on mitigation, and then we'll spend much less in recovery. 
Well, the ICA and CEO Andrew Hall have been banging that drum for a while, but he also said recently that the penny has dropped with governments as far as mitigation spending is concerned. Do you agree with that, Terry? I think that the penny dropped about 10 years ago, to be honest, or maybe even 15. But without wishing to be too political, I, I do think that we've, we've had a succession of governments whose approach to mitigation was really much the, the same as, as their approach to climate change, which, which was to basically kick the can down the road and hope it went away. We're now showing, I think, that the, the government is determined to walk and chew gum at the same time with, with programs for mitigation and emissions reduction. So, yeah, we're starting to move. Yay. Well, Wendy... Complaints to AFCA about the East Coast flood catastrophe are starting to build up to a significant level, aren't they? Yes, um, AFCA has received about 950 complaints in the six months since the floods. Uh, so that's an unusually high number of disputes, but it also reflects obviously the scale of the event. So AFCA's expanded its uh, general insurance complaints team as a result to deal, deal with all those. And it says the most common issues are disputes around uh, claim handling delays, the claim amount and, and denials. Well, if we're all paying, should we all be complaining? I mean, John, you spoke to Andrew Hall about the claims issue from an insurer's perspective as well, didn't you? Yes, that's right. I had a chat to Andrew about those catastrophe reports and we got on to claims. Um, Mr Hall said that rebuild times have blown out to 14 months following those floods uh, earlier this year, which is an awful lot longer than they were achieving after the bushfires in the black summer of 2019-20. This is, of course, due to the sheer number of claims, but also the, the access to building trades and building materials, which was spoken about at length. Mr Hall also mentioned the government buyback and build-back schemes that are being uh, talked about and launched in Queensland and New South Wales. He says that this is a complicating factor as well, because while these schemes are very sensible and well-intentioned, they do create a bit of a complication because there's no point progressing your insurance claim and rebuilding your house if you think that you're going to apply for the government to buy back your land and you're going to move elsewhere. So that accounts for some delays, I think, in some parts of the country. But yeah, Mr. Hall, I mean, it's to an extent, it's inevitable that there'll be long delays after catastrophes of this size. But he also says that insurers are constantly learning lessons. And one example he gave was uh, with temporary accommodation. He said that it might be sensible in future to have sort of mobile temporary accommodation actually on the insured's property. Uh, rather than what they did this time around, which was governments sort of arranged mobile home villages to allow for uh, people who couldn't live in their homes to have some some form of temporary accommodation. But yeah, Mr Hall says it might be more sensible to have those actually based on people's properties, which would be interesting. Well, let's lay a different note. It was party time in Monte Carlo. None of us went. As the reinsurance rendezvous returned this weekend, Wendy, after the cocktails, what serious issues were being discussed? Well, it's uh, it's still in uh, full swing now, actually. Um, but there's been a, a raft of reports released and briefings held, which have discussed the overall amount of reinsurance capacity availability, the profitability levels for the industry, um, whether financial in markets investors are still interested in reinsurance, and it seems that they are. So, you know, reinsurers are also battling the impacts of. 
inflation and interest rates and rising catastrophe costs. And looking ahead to the January renewals, it sounds like people expect the the prices for reinsurance to keep rising and for, for demand for reinsurance to keep rising as insurers are looking to pass off some of their risks. And, you know, at the same time, just like in, insurers are being very careful and selective about the risks they take on, so are the, the reinsurers. So it, it, it seems like it's still, you know, quite a difficult market environment. Did any of the reports that landed in our inbox catch your eye, John? Yes, there were so many. But yeah, one one report from Aon included a chapter that I thought was quite interesting. As Wendy says, the renewals in January could be tricky. And uh, Aon includes uh, a section entitled Top Tips for a Favourable Renewal Result. So for those insurers out there who, who are wondering how to go about their reinsurance renewals, there's a few tips here. In Aon's report, capacity is at a premium and reinsurers are becoming more selective of the risks they're willing to support, Aon says. So top tips, articulate clearly how you underwrite for inflation and its impacts on your risk profile. Leverage data and analytics to differentiate your portfolio. Understand your true cost of capital, including volatility of returns, and understand and consider exploring alternative structures for optimal placement results. Aon's final tip is to partner with an advocate to leverage long-standing relationships with traditional insurers. An an advocate like Aon, I would imagine. That's pretty interesting, John. When you think about it, what what Aon's saying is get ready for a very hard reinsurance market. And as the... I think we're the biggest buyers of reinsurance in the world. That that really strikes a little bit of fear into the the market when when you think that the, of the effect that reinsurance right at the top of the the tree will have on the the local market here. In other news, John AUB has made a big move in the strata market. Can you tell us about this one? Yes, that's right. So uh, last week AUB announced that it had agreed to acquire. Strata Unit Underwriters, a Strata agency that that, that is currently owned by IAG. Um, AUB already owns Longitude, so now it has gross written premium in Strata of of over $200 million. But AUB CEO Mike Emmett says that they're aiming for over $300 million in premium. So they're, they're looking for one or two more acquisitions in this area. They were significantly underweight in Strata, he said. So uh, this gives them a really good ramp up in scale and puts them basically uh, second largest player in the Strata market behind Steadfast now. Well, Terry, I'm asking this question not knowing what Strata is, but do you think this expansion in Strata makes sense? Look, Strata's Strata's a, a very big market, and all it can do is get bigger as as people move closer and to living closer and closer together. So I think this really this acquisition does show AUB's determination to bulk up in areas that have strong growth potential. I reckon we're going to see more of these strategic niche buys, I guess you'd call them, over the next year or two from the big groups. There are still some very established and and profitable brokerages out there, but the competition for them is, is getting really intense. So while we see we'll see some more brokerage acquisitions in the future, and I'm I'm hearing about one or two in the future, near future that might surprise us. But you've got to see that the underwriting agency sector is is still full of prime opportunities, 
by comparison. It's a bit like the housing market where low levels of availability have forced up prices. Uh, brokerage bargains no longer exist and the underwriting agency sector is really becoming a more strategic target for, for consolidators who can see opportunities. Oh, well, finally, if you're not sure how to put a claim in after a car crash like me, don't worry. Soon your car will be able to do it for you. Isn't that right, John? Yes, that's right. We listened into a webinar hosted by InsureTech Canopy that, that featured the views of IAG, EGM partners and platforms, Luke Boyle, who was talking about connected vehicles. And he said that in future, uh, your car will actually be putting in a claim for you automatically. You might not even know about it uh, at first. So you, you, your car could be could be hit in the car park, for example, and because it's it's connected you know, the Internet of Things and all that. It's going to be able to sense sense the damage and uh, kickstart a claim with your insurer. So um, it sounds like a lot easier than waiting in a queue for, for a call centre to, to pick up the phone. Is this the future, Terry? Absolutely. Um, look, technology, as John was saying, you know, we, we already have this technology that, that can find a problem and access solutions without you doing a thing, be it a, a tow truck, an ambulance even, or I guess a hearse if you're a really bad driver. But uh, we we can look forward to these systems starting to come into our homes and vehicles and pretty much everything else that can do things we haven't even thought of yet. It's changing insurance quite rapidly now, and technology and customer demand are really going to change the way we offer cover. It's going to make insurance more flexible and available for specific risks. For example, in a few years' time, if you're going skiing, if we still have snow, uh, you'll be able, your car will be able to buy cover for you as you head towards the icy mountain roads. Um, or if your home has an electrical fire, the house can call the fire brigade and tell them what's on fire and where. The future for so many insurance products that haven't changed much in 100 years is, is really exciting. Technology is going to give us all revolutionary ways to minimise or mitigate risks in, in everyday life. So, yeah, bring it on. Well, there's the bright new world in the future for all of us. Uh, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Wendy Pugh and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week. Mm-hmm.